thank you for being here this evening and online. Uh, we thank you for uh, Logan's. He did a really nice job at our sunrise service this morning. It was uh, it was a little bit cold. I had uh, I had a lot of uh, lambs lambs on me hanging on me, and I was still cold. But as uh, Logan be, uh, expounded on God's word, I could just feel the heat radiating, and it might, might just warm my spirit. And uh, that that's what we we like to do. We like to warm our souls. You know, our feet may be cold, but our souls are definitely on fire. It's just, uh, it's a, just a real privilege to be here this evening to share God's word as it was this morning to be there at a, a sunrise service and I thank everybody for joining us there also. This evening I'm going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Keep fervent in your love. Can you, uh, those who are able to, could you stand for the reading of God's word please? Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensual, sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dispensation, dispensation, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has, for this purpose, been preached even to those who are dead, that through, though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. The end of all things is near, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just, we just look up to you on this special day, Yeshua, the, the Passover, the blood of the Lamb. Our Father, we just thank you for, for being you, Father, for allowing us to know you in a greater and more powerful way, for your grace and your mercy that you show, for the offering of that blood, that cross that was placed on each doorpost years ago until Christ came and fulfilled that for us, Father, the ultimate sacrifice for all times, for all time, Father, that he was so just and just died for the unjust, Father. May everybody that hears this message and hears God's word today and has a looks up upon a cross, may they have a heart to know and ears to hear and eyes to see, Father. We, we ask that of you, Father. We just thank you, and we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. You may be seated. What a, what a beautiful and glorious day today it is, uh, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior. I will be ex ex expositioning the scripture here. Uh, there's something about the scripture, though, uh, being that the, it all points to Jesus. You know, it's not hard to pull an Easter message out of these verses to get in there, I think we can almost do that each week, uh, just to think about uh, Jesus today. 
You know, we just live in this world today. It's, it, uh, we, the flesh, thinks it's a troubling world, but it's a wonderful time. It's a great time, and it's going to be a great time for the church. The churches may be empty, and they may be preaching the prosperity gospel, how to live your best life now. Uh, but we're finding that it's going to shake out the weak. There'll be true believers in the church, people that truly hunger and thirst for God's word that will dig into it. When times get hard and trouble, when he says that the prostitutes and the tax collectors believed, but the righteous and the other ones did not believe, was the broken people came to believe. And we're living in a broken world now today with opportunities for those who are in Christ Jesus to proclaim the truth. And there's no greater day on Easter Day to proclaim the truth, what a risen Savior has done for you in your life as a Christian, as a Savior. The covering of the blood on the doorpost. Is your home covered with the blood on the doorpost? Or have you let sin crept in? Well, today is the day to shout, to shout it out on the mountaintops how great, great our Father is. In verse 1, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Therefore, we've been in the book of First uh, Peter now, talking about the suffering, submission, submitting as a slave to our Lord and Savior, the suffering that may have to endure, the suffering that he endured. Like Christ, how did he suffer? It's just unimaginable to me to think that the creator, an infinite creator, came into the form of his creation and allowed and subjected himself to, to what had taken place. Even, even to be the mere baby being born who needs to cry for milk, to be an adolescent that didn't need to be helped every bit of the way, what he did. He's our example, the suffering that he had done in the flesh that he lived a completely sinless life throughout all his years. There was 30 years up until his ministry that he lived in a, a, a large family, took instruction, then he started his ministry. And he was, by the end of it, he was ridiculed, spat on, rejected. The suffering, the shame he was felt, being stripped, whipped, the, the suffering that he suffered. That was just his life, that he, he as an infinite God, come into form of a finite creature, manifested himself into a finite creature, had to go through all the pains of aches and pains and crying and living and growing, that was nothing compared to having a drink from that cup. The wrath that he had felt from the Father for my sin, for your sin. And he tells us here to use him as an example, to look at him. Pastor Logan did a wonderful job last week expounding on, 
on his word the suffering that had taken place. He suffered in the flesh. And it says, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now that we have this, the flesh body, the fallen nature in us, because we have suffered in the flesh, can cease from sin. He's given us an opportunity, a sanctification, one would say, so as to live the rest of time, the time in the flesh, no longer for lust of men, but for the will of God. What is the will of God? We'll get on, on to the brokenness and how we don't mention sin in a minute because these, these verses are a little bit redundant. But it says, to live the rest of your life for the will of God. And we remember that Peter's talking to a saved people, sojourners in this world. We're just passing through. Don't love the things of the world. Look to God. You know he's talking to us saved people. He's equipping us. He's preparing us. And the biggest question, it says, but for the will of God. That we are to live for the will of God. What is the, the will of God? What does the God's will want for you? Well, it's simple. I'll tell you. I think there's five things. First and foremost, God wants your soul. He wants you to be saved. He's long-suffering. He wants all those, all of his to come to him. He wants your salvation. He wants you to surrender to him. First and foremost, if you haven't surrendered and believed the story that we're telling and preaching in this book and believed who he is, then nothing else matters. Everything outside of that is, is not God's will. First and foremost, for you to be saved. We'll get into that, how that takes place. Second, there's a sanctification a sanctifying process that he wants you want to do the will of God. He wants you to be saved and sanctified. A turning from your ways. There's a clear turning in your behavior, your actions. You're no longer living for the lust of the flesh and for the things of this world. You're turning to God and looking towards his word and being sanctified daily, being washed in his word, being washed from his blood. You're washing yourself in his word. You're... you're mulling on it day and night, being sanctified, being a better person, not the person you once were. He's given you that ability first through salvation. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're being sanctified daily. He wants you to be saved, spirit-filled, sanctified. He wants you to be spirit-filled. He wants you to allow the Spirit. He's given you the Spirit to be inside of each and every believer. He wants you to be spirit-filled. What do I mean? Well, as a believer, you are spirit-filled. But do you know that you can mourn the spirit? You can quench the spirit. See, these things you can do to the spirit. He wants you to be spirit-filled. He wants you to be in tune to it. He wants you to be living in the spirit, not walking after the things of the flesh. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. 
He's given you the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. He wants you to be saved, Spirit-filled, sanctified. And number four, this is the one you're going to love, always suffering. What? Always suffering. Always suffering for, for God and Jesus and His Word that suffering's okay. Now, he's not talking about a suffering because you went out and made a mistake, you've done a sin, you've done something wrong. Oh, sin. We don't mention sin no more. What is sin? They forgot, they forgot about sin in this culture nowadays. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about living righteously through the righteousness of Christ, loving others with your heart, mind, and soul the way Christ loved you, and you begin to be persecuted for that. There will be a suffering. Maybe you won't get the job. Uh, maybe people will malign you and they'll talk about you. Uh, maybe they'll even bring you out and tie you to a stake or saw you in half like all the other prophets. We've just been so, bene uh, so uh, beneficial in this country for the last 300 years. We've lived under God's common grace that has allowed the sinner to keep on sinning without persecution. But First Peter tells us over and over and over again, there may be persecution. There may, may be suffering. So yes, that is God's will. And, and last, always be thankful. Always be thankful to God for everything. Everything good or bad in this world, it happens because God has a plan and a purpose and it brings glory to him and no matter what, to always be thankful we must be saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, suffering, and always thankful. That's the will of God. You want to go over to another, go to Psalm 119. You want to know the will of God? Read Psalm 119. I think there's only one or two verses. It's actually the largest psalm in the book of Psalms. It's in the middle of the book. Psalm 119, there's 176 verses in there. There's only two or three of them that don't pertain to you doing the will of God. See, when you begin to do these things, uh, you don't have to ask yourself, boy, I wonder what the will of God is. I wonder what he wants me to do. <laughs> because it, just, it begins to just come out of you. Read his word. Internalize it. That's all. It's, it's what a joy it is. I don't have to worry and wonder about what's the will of God for me in my life. I'm saved, I'm spirit-filled, I'm sanctified, I'm suffering, and I'm always thankful to God. Thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus. There's the will of, there's the will of God, in case you wanted to know. That he enables us because of this. He's our example that we can look, look for the will of God. Now, that's a sanctification. He's all, all are called, many are called, few are chosen. When you've been chosen and you're filled with the Spirit, then you're being sanctified and set apart for a special work. God has a plan for you in your life. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Well, I tell you, you know, we seem to preach about this every week. I, I, I almost think I have a, a drinking problem, a sex problem, uh, 
Every week I see it in here, scripture. You know, you know what they call that? They call that sin. That's what they call that. That, that, that is S-I-N. And it comes from within each and one of us as fallen creatures since the fall of the garden. That's in us. See, if we weren't sinners, then you wouldn't need a Savior. Jesus wouldn't need to do all the things he needed to do. Now, I tell you, in the flesh, I would think, boy, I'm at a, boy, I'm a real disadvantage here because uh, I'm supposed to share the truth of God's word. And it's talked about these sinners here today that I'm supposed to address and talk about. And it seems to me that people, when they're sinning and warring against God, uh, there's a lot of anger coming out of them, uh, hostility uh, to the point uh, everything has become hate speech and, and it's getting a little bit physical out there. But that's not supposed to be the reaction of a Christian. You are my mission field. I love you. And it kind of, sometimes I feel that I'm at a disadvantage, but oh no, no, I'm not at a disadvantage. You realize that everybody during Passion Week, this last week, everybody kind of got what they wanted, right? Didn't the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they wanted Jesus out of the way of their money-making, call it the prosperity gospel. It's just a different twist. But back then, it was going to disrupt them. They had, to, they had to get rid of one man to save the many that they can continue their rackets. They got what they wanted. You, you had the turning on Jesus. He got his 30 pounds of silver, pieces of silver. He got what he wanted. Everybody kind of got what they wanted, you know. And during that process, sin was defeated. It defeated Satan. Everybody thought they were winning, they were happy, they were elated. Everybody was getting what they wanted. And ultimately, God was the, the puppet master behind the plan, and we won the victory in Jesus. Amen. It says, uh, for the times out is sufficient, it says, for you to carry these desires out. In Romans 6, 17, it says, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching, so that soul teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. That kind of moves us back up into the first verse there. It's talking about that, that Paul here is thanking God, thanking God that for the sinners that you were such good slaves to your sin, to your Sensuality, your lust, your drunkenness, your carousing, your drinking, parties, abominable idolatries. It's got to be homosexuality, sexual acts, maybe even 
maybe even if I go to the doctor and I say to the doctor, I say, hey, I'm going to identify as a one-eyed, a peg-laid, one-eyed pirate. And that doctor says, fine, I'm going to poke your eye out and chop your leg off. Is that insanity or what? That would be an abominable idolatry, is what we call that. Very perverse. Uh, now, here again, we're going to get to that. You're my mission field. What's troubling to me, which is more perverse, and more is the doctor that would perform that act, that would poke my eye out and chop my leg off because that's how I identified. That this supposedly sane individual would do something. That, that crosses us some, some uh, abominable idolatries. Just absolute warring with God. In all these, they are su surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dispensation, and they malign you. So they're surprised. Everybody, when a person, when a soul is regenerated, after warning of God, comes to God, filled with the Spirit, saved, filled with the Spirit, sanctified, suffering, doing the will of God, always thankful, there's a, there's a set apart. They're doing the new life. They're doing things. These people begin to malign you. They, they, while they're having their hangover, while they're being dope sick, while they're suffering from some venereal disease, they're looking at you, maligning you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, Something about, a, something about a believer. Sin in the believer is a burden which afflicts him rather than a pleasure which delights him. Okay? This is a very special day for me. And I'm going to tell you why. And I, I'm not going to hold back. I, I, I want to bring up first off the fact that sin is no longer mentioned in this culture as a sin. It's mentioned that it doesn't come, in, come inside the person. It's what's happened to you and everything from around you and about you that's happened to you. There's no fallen nature. It hasn't been. Listen to me. I grew up in a culture. When I was a kid, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that's how I lived. It was swarm to fun, loyal to none. Mentality. I had a parents that came from the 60s era. It was free love, dope, and, and, and sex. But meanwhile, they told me that was a sin when one pursued these things. Now, that's, that's very interesting. Okay? I was bent. You understand that? Bent. My thinking was not clear. I was lied to. You're being lied to. If you're not even being told what you're doing is wrong and is a sin, you are being lied to. And you've become bent. I was bent. You know, Logan's his birthday today. By the providence of God, Logan's birthday was the day that he was physically born. What year was you physically born, Logan? 2002. Now, in 2001, what part did you take in your birth? Absolutely none. Nothing? I didn't contribute so much as a thought or a will. A thought or a will? Well, how about that? Well, how did he, how did he 
was born. Well, in 2011, I had a birth. And it was my rebirth. And it was right here at Lakeview Baptist Church. I had been coming to this church for five years. And do you know I lived my life being bent most of my life? That I grew up in a culture that I just explained to you? And I thought that was, that was acceptable. It was good. Why are you trying to ruin my fun? And I was bent. And I grew up in this culture. But there was something that bothered me. Because during all this so-called fun and pleasure, I hurt people. I hurt my wife. I hurt my children. I hurt people around me. Every relationship I had, someone was going to get hurt. And it was a pain that grew inside of me. The law, hearing the law, couldn't do it. When I was growing up and I was told it was a sin, it made me do it even more. It excited me. It, it, it got me excited and I did it more. But something about 2011, had been coming to this church, had been praying, sitting in the back of that pew back there praying. Easter morning, but for, for five years before that, praying every week when the pastor would, he would talk, give your time, your treasure, your talent. Then he'd get down to the end and he'd say, if you're, if you're this, at this point in your life, say this prayer. If you're here, say this prayer. If you're here, say this prayer. I was sitting in the back of that church saying every prayer because I was crying inside. I was broken. I was lost. I was empty. Every week I'd do it for five years. I had no new information that Easter morning. Pastor Bill Benjamin was preaching. Spirit-filled man, just like Bill Rowe. Beautiful, spirit-filled man. Preached a service Easter morning. And I had asked myself the biggest question that I ever asked myself my whole life. And it's the question that each one of us are going to have to ask. Is this man Jesus Christ, is he real or is he not real? See, I had to ask myself that question. I said, because if he's, if, he's, if he's not real, what am I doing hanging around here? And oh, by the way, I could smile and I could run with the best of them, telling everybody how wonderful everything was. But see, if he was real, I had to accept that forgiveness that he had to offer. And if someone gives you a gift, I don't think it would be the right thing to do to kick a gift horse in the mouth. How could you go back out and continue to live a sin? It really put a damper on things. Now, they, now listen, sinners, people, homosexuals, transgenders, drunkards, idolaters, idolatresses, any of you out there. Do you know when I was told that you're going to go to hell if you do this sin? I could care less. I could absolutely care less. I would sin even more. I was a sinner. I was sinning out there. I was bent. And it, there's something about this here that just hearing that doesn't work. They say many are called, but few are chosen. They, they, I was told that in my broken condition, I was dead in my trespasses. I was dead in my sin. So I ask you if I was dead, what part does a dead person have to coming to life? 
Yeah, absolutely zero. What part did Logan have in his birth when he came to, was born 21 years ago? Absolutely zero. I just asked him. He confirmed it. He said, nothing, John. I couldn't say nothing. As a dead lost sinner in my sin, there was nothing I can do. So to tell a dead lost sinner to repent of his sin or he's going to go to hell is like saying, hey, give me more. I get it. I understand that. Now, there'll be great theological debates over that. But let them debate it. That's okay. The beauty is, is understanding. So I, I didn't take nothing in my rebirth. At that point in time, I don't know if I had a repentant heart in me. I don't know if I was capable to have a repentant heart because I was dead in my trespasses. But there came that point in time when I says, I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And when I believed, I was forgiven for all my sins. And through that point on, I have lived a repentive life. Sin in the believer is a burden which afflicts him rather than a pleasure which delights in him. Amen. Does your sin delight you? Is it a pleasure or does it afflict you? If you are a believer, it afflicts you. It burdens you. It weighs you down. That's the Holy Spirit working on your soul. You're mourning and grieving this there's the spirit, if it's a delights to you and it's a pleasure, you're still at odds and battling with God. And I can't tell you how you must need to repent if you're dead. I call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to open up, give a people the heart to know and eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we pray, we cry out to you because he's the one that can do it. He's the only one that can do it. Nobody, nothing I do, nothing I say can do it. It's only God through Jesus Christ. One must believe. That's it. That's the story. For the gospel has, for this purpose, has been preached even to those who are dead. That though, see, I was dead. The gospel was preached. I believed. They are judged in the flesh. I have a fallen nature to me. I'm a sinner. I'll be a sinner to the day I die. I'm covered in the, the blood of Christ. Covers me. That makes me righteous today. Nothing that I did, I'm covered. It, it's an imputation of it. That they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. That I am capable today and you are capable today to living in the will of God. You are saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, suffering, and always thankful to God. Now let's just go into this a little bit more. Let's just go into this a little bit and get to know a little bit about a mind of Christ. That mind that Christ come to this mind and what's going on here. I, I, I went to a parable in Matthew. It was, the two, it, was the two, it was the two servants. And he says, now this is really interesting. And you sinners, if you haven't turned the channel off and you're rushing down here to beat me up at this point with anger in your soul, I want to let you know I love you. Uh, this is very, this is very I, I, I really like this scripture. Uh, it, it may offend some Christians, uh, but we are an equal opportunity offender. We don't want to leave nobody out. But Matthew tells us, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? 
they said. The first, Jesus. The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax collector and prostitute will get into the kingdom of God before you. What? The prostitute and the tax collector is going to get between you? This was, God had given his word to his chosen people to share the truth of his word. They were both, you see here, they were both half-hearted people. They accepted it and they said, yeah, we got it. We're the chosen people. We got our two tickets to paradise. See? But they were half-hearted. They weren't all in. They didn't believe. And here you got a broken people. The broken people. Why do the broken people get it? Why is that? I'm going to get to that. But the tax collector and the prostitute did believe him. And you, and you seeing this, now he's telling them, and you see this, the, 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 the broken people in that culture today, they believe Jesus. They're getting it. And here's what he says. And you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. So you see it. And you don't even feel remorse about the condition of your depravity. You, you were probably angry that that sinner, sinners out there, that the right, the people that act like all righteous probably had a resentment and anger that how, how did you get that? That they believed. That just, that just struck me and, 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 and I say, why? Why is that? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Same reason that when, when Paul went into Galatia and he, and he preached the gospel, the good news, to the Galatian people, they had no church upbringing. They, they lived in sin. There was the, it was, they were fertile. They were right. Here's what they were doing. They were drinking, carousing, everything we just read, drunkenness, abominable idolatries. It was a party. And they were living their lives. And they were praying to different gods. And what happens? I'll tell you what happens. It becomes a, an emptiness in one's soul. When we pursue things outside of God, the creator that he made evident in each and every one of us, and we begin to do these things that war against God, it, it takes a bite out of our soul, a little bite each time, like a termite with a house. And there'll come a point when you feel so empty, bankrupt inside, you're hurt, life has no meaning, you don't care about the things that you once maybe thought about, the pleasures you were having are no longer pleasurable, and there's nothing but pain in your life. See? And that's where a lot of our culture is today. And I, and I know we don't, we don't mention sin, but we have to mention sin to let you know it's okay. We all have sin in us. We all have a sin nature in us. We all have a brokenness in us. And we're, a true Christian with love in his heart is preaching to you as a sinner. We're preaching and, and, and calling to you, to your soul, that you don't have to feel that way no more. You don't have to have that emptiness in your heart. You don't have to have that earning for something more. If you just believe the simple message that's being told, he will give you the tools to repent. 
He'll give you the tools to do everything that you need to do to where you can truly understand life. Life will be like springtime, like from a seed, a new birth. It'll blossom. It'll grow. There'll be such beauty in it. The things that you once did will really, they'll begin to bother you. Just even thinking about it. And you're going to find more joy in the Lord in what I'm saying. This is what we have to offer. See, I don't feel like I'm disadvantaged here because of all the hate and anger out there that, that hates and anger and to the point of violence against me. I love you. And I know that all it takes is for you to believe. You can have the same forgiveness and the same love. And it will win the victory. It does win the victory. Now, here again, I just want to go over this real It's the wedding. Here's God sending, sending out his prophets, his preachers, whether it be today or back in the day of the prophets. He sent them all out. They're the slaves when it reads in here. And there's going to be this big wedding. We're the bride. Christ is the groom. There's a big wedding celebration that's going to go down. Big party for all you people that like to party. Big party up in heaven. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gives a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. He called, they were unwilling to come. God's calling them. His word. Your, this was your task. He's, he's calling them to come to this big wedding feast. Up in heaven. All eternity with God. Again he sent out other slaves saying. Tell those who have been invited. Behold I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another his business, and the rest seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. Every prophet, brutal is what happened, and our Lord and Savior, Killed, invited, we're inviting you, I'm inviting you today to just believe. But the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to the slaves, the wedding is, is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. See, the call was put out. They're no longer worthy. They were turned over to a reprobate mind. Go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there. Invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. See, the, the prostitute, the tax collector... Some of the good ones got it. Some of the religious establishments, they got it because they, they came. All these people came to the wedding. I'm just not 
picking on one group, saying you don't have a shot because you're, you're, you're religious. No, we're not saying that because the good and the, the bad, the both, they both come. They these people come in the party. They heard the word, they come. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together, found both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guest, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. Uh-oh. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. The man was speechless. You want to know why he was speechless? Because he thought his belief was good enough. He thought because of his, he was elected and he was chosen that that was going to be good enough. He was a half-hearted person. He tried to come another way. He had a different uniform. The only way that you're going to be accepted into the wedding feast is through the blood of Christ. Amen. That was a Shua, the Passover lamb put on your doorpost to believe the only way to enter this party in heaven is through the blood of Christ. With a living Savior, his blood was poured out for us. If you don't have that blood on you, if you're not at that party with that blood on you, listen what happens. This man actually thought it because he was speechless. And here's what, here's what happens to that man. Then the, kings, then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. Throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping, gannishing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. See, God chooses who he's going to have at this party. And you will wear the blood of Christ on you. Now, that brings me to a, a, another scripture that in the book of John. And he says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. See, the person who's crying, Lord, Lord, believes God, believes Jesus is God, believes who God is, or you wouldn't be calling him Lord. He's the kuros, I'm the doulos, I'm calling him Lord. Look, look what I've done. I've done these miracles. I've healed people. You've gave me the power, and I've done that. See? We better watch. We start talking about what we've done. Okay? And we're out there pleading. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. These are people who believed God, believed Jesus, but got it wrong. That's a scary place to be, my friend. That, is a, that, that should be very humbling to each and every one of us. That we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Understanding that. That's why it's so important and so clear that the message be preached. The gospel of the good news. Not taking away from it. We can't leave out the sin. And we can't add nothing to it. You know, Paul says... Who bewitched you, you silly Galatians? Did you get the spirit from the law or did you get it from the spirit? There's nothing you can do. The law will not, you will not be able to come by the law. 
the law is going to, as a school teacher, it's going to excite your passions to sin more and more. You need to holler out to the Lord. You need to believe this word. You need to believe today what Jesus is, is saying to you and what Jesus has done. Oh, I tell you, I've been working on my, my messages, and I used to sell yellow page advertising, and I do cut and paste and all this stuff, and you wonder why I'm all disorganized and ADHD, but I got it all here. Uh, we're getting close. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't make it as a yellow page salesman, by the way, uh, but I sure love the gospel. I, 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 you know, I'm a broken man. That's, that's been made right and saved by the grace of God that has love in my heart today. And, and I just hope any of those out there listening today to understand that this, this message is, is preached with love. And the people that don't share the truth with you, uh, they're not your friends. They don't love you. Somebody that's willing to, to suffer the, for whatever any persecution or consequences it may be to tell you the truth to understand it's, it's out of love. I grew up in an environment that, that I was misguided and lied to. And uh, I, I, I'm glad that I came to a church and, and somebody hugged me and they told me they loved me. They said, I really do. And I sat under good preaching and to hear the word of God over and over and over again. They didn't reject me. God never rejected me. As I was running and warring against God, he never rejected me. All it took is for me to stop and turn to the cross. Turn to him and say, I, I believe. He gave me the ability to repent. He gave me the ability to focus. I, I hope you can do the same. I just hope you, you, you can believe. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful place in heaven. Uh, it's going to be absolutely glorious. It's, it's uh, going to be in the moment. It's going to be the, the, the best you thought you ever had in a moment that continually goes. There'll be no tears. There'll be no pain. There'll be no suffering. Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back as the lamb. The word is being shared. This is what the scripture tells us, that the gospel has been preached. And it is being preached. And during the hard times, of persecution, it'll even be preached more clear with more clarity for the sinner to hear. Let us just go to the, the Lord in prayer. Uh, I might as well read my final verse too before we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, verse number seven. And it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Sound spirit for the purpose of prayer. Calling all believers to prayer. You know, I want to just add one more thing. I know in Ephesians 6, it tells, or 5, it tells us about the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate that ward off the, the arrows of Satan, the, the ideologies of bent people and bent thinking. The tunica to pull up our straps in our, our life debt. Tunica to pull it up tight for our loose ends of our life when we go into battle. To stand firm with the, 
with the spikes in the, the Roman shoulders to stand firm to fight for God's word, for the truth of his word. The sword instrumental, not the big wielding one, but the, the sword, the small one that's so precise, a double-edged sword like God's word, to know where God's word is to help a sinner and to help somebody, to take all these tools and put it in your basket, to go into war, and most of all, you know what Paul says at the, at the end? To pray, to pray, to pray to God, the power of prayer. So with all these tools and everything that he gives us, if we don't go to prayer and pray to him, it's almost sacrilegious. Okay, and here we end here today in our final verse that says, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Let us pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that your being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. According to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you and God bless you.